church has bought into a lie that you can no longer operate in the supernatural in the church because people won't understand it and they'll leave. You can't be used in the gifts of the spirit, tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, people falling out. We call it falling out under the power of God. Because if you do, then, then people will just, it'll weird them out and they'll run off somewhere. And we've bought into this lie, but at the same time that the church has become passive, the world has become aggressive. And if it were true that people did not hunger, you, you don't understand God. I wouldn't serve a God I could, I could figure out. I wouldn't serve a God that I could understand. Huh? There is an understanding of revelation that comes. But if I can come to the end of a thing, then that's not God. And while I may not understand everything about him, I do understand his anointing. I understand his presence. I understand when the spirit of God comes and I understand the difference between the spirit of God and the work of the enemy. Amen. But we see that at the same time that the church has backed up off of the supernatural, the world has become aggressive. And if, if this were true, that, that people are, you know, weirded out by the supernatural, then why is it that the top TV shows is about mediums and about talking to the dead and crossing over? I've told you before, but I'm going to tell you again. If people, if you're talking to someone that's dead, you're talking to a demon. Because as a tree falls, so shall it lie. Amen. And so don't get messed up. The only one that knows your future, you know, they, they get all this mess on TV and tell you about all the past stuff. Well, the devil knows the past, but he don't know your future. It's only God that knows the future. He told Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good and not evil. Plans to prosper you. Amen. And so whenever we, we see all of these things that are going on, people looking for ghosts. People talking to dead folk. And then the supernatural realm of God is supposed to cause people to weird out. Amen. Granted, the church has put up with a lot of goofiness. They've, they've, de they've dealt some, with some crazy things uh, because people will, uh, anytime there is a real move of God, flesh will show up. And so there, that's the reason Paul says, everything you do, do it in order. Let there be order in this thing. And that's, that's my job is to keep order. It's my job. It's the reason we have elders. It's to protect this house. Amen. And that's whenever the real move of God, we don't abandon the real move of God because flesh shows up. We just 
take aside flesh and tell it that you need to line up with the spirit. Amen. And so Paul said, desire earnestly these gifts. We are not seeking manifestations. We are seeking God. We're seeking the Holy Spirit. And the secondary consequence of us seeking God and being in alignment with his will is we get to be used of the spirit. God uses mankind when we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit, amen, and what he is doing, he will use us to work his will in the earth. When you're truly used of God, it doesn't make you proud, it humbles you. When God truly uses you to think that God could use you, that he could use me to help somebody else in my broken state of humanity with all of my flaws and failures. And yet God would use me as a channel, as a pipeline. He would use you. It is a humbling thing. But you see, the gifts do not belong to us. They belong to God. But he uses us when we will align ourselves to be used of him. While I don't have all the answers, here's what I do know. In this highly charged spiritual environment that we are now living in, the church can no longer be void and absent of the supernatural power of God. Amen. While we believe that there is a place for counsel and there is a place for spiritual counsel and spiritual wisdom, the church is not a counseling place. The church is a spiritual place. Amen. And we can mix counsel with spiritual wisdom and we can get things done. But you see, there are some things that you can't counsel out. There are some things you have to cast out. And there is a supernatural power available to us which brings about the signs and the wonders and the miracles of God. You can take away the grace of God, you can take, but, uh, and you can back off of the gifts of the Spirit, and what you become then is just a bad social club. Amen. Because if you don't have the grace of God and you don't have the power of God, then you just become a bad social club because the world has more money. They have talent. They have better buildings. And we're never going to be able to keep up with the world as far as that is concerned. Amen. But what I I told, uh, I I was talking to somebody, maybe Pastor Jimmy this week and we was talking. And I said, I decided a long time ago. I cannot have the charisma of a lot of people. But and so I decided if I can't have the charisma, then I'll just be more anointed. Because the anointing will destroy yokes. The anointing will break burdens. The anointing will cast up the evil one away. The anointing will cause a mag- be a magnetic draw to the presence of God where the lives will be transformed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we need to have the manifestation of the power of God that will transform lives because you see, charisma won't mend marriages. Good, good speeches won't break yokes and remove burdens, but the anointing will. The supernatural power of God will transform a person's life who is bound, who is addicted, who is tormented by the evil one. But at the name of Jesus, 
that stronghold will be broken off of their lives and the kingdom of God will be established in their life and they will be transformed forever. Amen. We don't, we're not going to try to make God do anything. Our time of fasting is not about trying to get God's attention. Starving ourselves, making our bodies hurt, because they will. Amen. I had somebody tell me one time, I said, uh, Pastor, I, I was trying to fast with you, but my head got to hurting. I said, it'll quit in three days. This flesh will act up. It'll say, I need food. It'll start growling at you. Right? And you just need to tell it. You keep acting up, we'll go another 21 days. That's what it's about. It's about bringing our flesh under subjection to the spirit. To let our flesh know that the flesh, you're not going to control my life. But the spirit is in control here. And so most of the time it's about food that we think about because, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, most of us in America, we, 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 we not looking like we missed a whole lot. Right? And we don't know how to control that. And I say we, because looky here. Huh? And so, Food is something that, that we give up many times to say, God, I'm going to commit myself to the spirit. But we're not trying to make God do anything. We're just aligning ourselves that he can use us to do anything that he wants done in this region. That we are making ourselves in alignment available for his use. So we're going to talk about the gifts of the spirit so that we are not ignorant of the moving of the Spirit. Because it is my heart's desire to see the manifestation of the presence of God. Now, if that makes you uncomfortable, that's what we're here for, to help you understand a little better, right? If that makes you uncomfortable, then... then you know, we can talk you through that. Don't run off. Just come and, and we'll talk you through that. We'll help you to understand that. But we've got to have the supernatural. We've got to have the power of God. We've got to have the gifts of the spirit. Amen. I know I was, as a young preacher, I was preaching a, a, a service. I was 15, 16 years old and I was preaching at a church that the pastor was bringing them into the spirit-filled life. And, and, and so I knew that I had freedom there and, and I shared on the Holy Spirit and I was praying for people. And, and uh, you know, I, the altar would line up and I'd pray for them. And when I'd pray for them, to my amazement, they'd just bloop, fall out. And I said, wow, what's all all about? You know, I've seen other people and God use them, but use me. And I'm just a kid preacher. God's doing this, using me. And uh, one of the patriarchs of the church, he, he uh, felt the need to correct 
some things. And so he stood up and he said, uh, just want you to know that the God I serve, he don't put you down. He picks you up. And I thought, this ain't my fight. It's a pastor. She's the one invited me. I, I'm not doing this, right? And so on Sunday night, the service, it was, you know, they had asked me to, it was the first revival I ever did, and they asked me to come the first night, and then they told me the man couldn't come the second night, could I stay? And, and the third night and went on to Sunday, and by Sunday I done preached everything I knew. And so, you know, I was, that night I preached on the Holy Spirit, and uh, I was, I'm going to just be honest with you, I was a little intimidated by this man, so I didn't even pray for him. He came to the front as everybody else did. And, and whenever I come to him, I just walked past him. I didn't even pray for him. And whenever I walked past him, he went, poop. I said, oh, my God. What are we going to do with him now? His God picks him up. <laughs> and so after the service, he apologized that he had never experienced that before, but he recognized Tonight, it was real. It was from God. You know, we do serve a God. I know we have done a good job. Man has done a good job of bringing God down to our level. But I want to tell you, nothing, nothing or no one has ever stood in the presence of our God. Amen. And whenever there is an anointing, I'm not talking about a courtesy drop. I'm not talking about just, you know, everybody flopping out. One lady came, I was praying for some folks one night and I come to a lady and she had just bawling and carrying on. And I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I'm afraid I won't fall out. I said, well, just lay down then. <laughs> I don't recommend that. I'm just telling you, being honest. But people get caught up in all of this. But it's about the anointing. There are times whenever you get under the presence of God where you will not be able to stand. It is true because God is greater than you, my brothers and sisters. And whenever you are overwhelmed by his presence, it, your body will respond in some way. Amen. It's a manifestation of his presence. And I know there's been a lot of weird things, but it does not neglect the reality that when we come into the presence of a sovereign, omnipotent God, and he begins to touch our lives, transformation will take place. Amen. And so I uh, just want to, you to know that there is a manifestation. There is a power of God. And if God does something you don't understand, then we just need to, to, to look at that and say, you know, talk to somebody, talk to an elder, come talk to me. I'm here every day, uh, Monday through Thursday. Amen. I'm here after services, whatever you need. But we want you to understand to the best of your ability. Don't be ignorant of the gifts. You know, I know there's a lot of people afraid of blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And I've heard people say, well, I've went too far of blasphemed the Holy Ghost and all of that. But the best that I can read in scripture, the blaspheme of the Holy Ghost is whenever God is doing something and we credit the devil for doing it.
And we don't ever want to point our pit fingers and say, that's the devil doing that. Whenever it's actually God doing that. The Holy Spirit at work. And so... One of the ways we align ourselves supernatural for the supernatural is through fasting and prayer. Isaiah chapter 58 gives us what was called the chosen fast. Now let me just say this. This is what we do here at the tabernacle. That we, we fast and we pray at the beginning of the year. Amen. We do. And, and so it isn't a secret. There is a chosen fast, and a chosen fast is when everybody does it corporately. There is a personal fast when God calls you to fast person, uh, privately that, that nobody knows about. But then there are those, those chosen fasts that God says, it's time to fast, it's time to pray. Why do we do it at the first of the year? Because the law of first things... We come to church and we give God the first day of the week and he likes in it to us given the whole week. We give him the first fruit, the tithe, the 10%, and he likens it to the whole. And so we give him the first of the year and he likens it to us giving him the whole year. And so we set the precedence for this year so that throughout the whole year we, we align ourselves for the supernatural. We align ourselves for whatever your will is for us in this year, God. We're here and we're ready for it. Amen. And so he calls this chosen fast in Isaiah 58. He said, why, uh, Israel's asking this question, why have we fasted? And they say, and you have not seen. Why have we afflicted our souls and you have not noticed? In fact, in the day of your fast, you found pleasure and exploit all your labors. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to, strike, and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? This is to bow... Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? But then he goes on and he says, is this not the fast that I have chosen? He said, this is what you've been doing, but this is the fast I've chosen. To loose the bands of the wicked, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that and that you break every yoke, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out and when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light shall break forth like morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. This is what you can expect from fasting. You can expect for the strongholds, for the chains to be broken off of your life. Amen. As Pastor Jamie said earlier, it isn't just the lost person, but, but Christians have chains too. We have things that we need God to break off of us. 
we may be on this journey, but we, nobody's wearing angel wings and halos today. Amen. We're all in a process. We're going from glory to glory. We're going from revelation to revelation, from understanding to understanding. So we're in this process. And as we're in this process, the closer you walk with God, the more he'll reveal there's things in your life that need to be broken off. Amen. He said, I want to undo that heavy burden you've been carrying. You, you know anybody got a burden? You never know what's behind that smile. You never know the heaviness that people carry in their lives, family burdens, marriage burdens, children burdens, job burdens. They're all loaded down on us and there seems to be nowhere you can let them off. There's nowhere to lay them down. There's nowhere to get rid of them. And then he said, not only can you expect for the heavy burden to be removed, but he said that you can see the oppressed go free. Every yoke be broken. Amen. He said, I want you to share your bread with the hungry. Just, just be Jesus. Huh? And not hide yourself from your own flesh. He said whenever things, because you know, have you ever fasted and something come up you didn't even know was in you? You'd be like, Urkel, did I do that? Something come up in you, an attitude, a thought, something come up in you and you say, here I am trying to be spiritual. Here I am trying to fast. Well, that's what fasting does. It causes the flesh to reveal itself. It wars against the spirit and it manifests something in you. And God said, whenever your flesh shows up, don't ignore it. Do something about it. And he said, when you do, then your light shall break forth like the morning. In other words, he will give you direction for your future. Amen. How many need direction? He said, not only will you find direction, but he said, your healing shall spring forth speedily. I mean, no, God still heals. We thank God for doctors. We're not weirdos. We're not crazy people that say, well, you know, you, you don't take your doc, your children to the hospital, bless God, and you just let them lay there and die at home. And, and whenever you get a fever, you're popping pills like candy. We don't do that stuff. Amen. We thank God for doctors. We thank God for wisdom and technology and all of that. But above that, we believe that God still heals. And he said, your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. He said, I've got your back. I'm gonna protect you, amen? And so he, he tells us at this time of fasting, this time of, of seeking his face, that it's not just about us focusing on him, but he said, I'm gonna bless you for what you do. 
I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to loose the bands that have you held hostage in your life. I'm going to give you direction for your future. I'm going to heal your body. I'm going to give you protection around you and your family. Why? Because he said you have consecrated. You've dealt with your flesh. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 3, there's a public fast. We're called in times of peril. When the nation was coming into a battle against Jehoshaphat in Jerusalem, we see that they called for a fast. I mean, no, we're in peril in America. Jonah, in Jonah 3 and verse 6, we, we talked about this uh, this morning, Brother Carl's out there, and we talked this morning, but Jonah chapter six, uh, 3, verses 6 through 8, uh, after Jonah proclaimed doom over Nineveh, the king called a fast. And the Bible said that the men and the animals didn't even feed the donkeys. Everything that was breathing was fasting to shift this thing that was coming to their land. I wish the church would get that kind of desperation. Jonah may have not stepped up and proclaimed it, but how many know there's doom that's hovering over us? And the only ones that are able to shift this thing is the church. The only thing that's able to turn this tide is that we have revival of righteousness in our land. Amen. Esther in chapter 4 and verse 15, Esther calls a three-day fast when she was informed that Haman had conspired to destroy all of the Jews. The whole kingdom was to be annihilated, to be wiped out. But Esther calls a three-day fast. And she says, we're believing God to do something about this, right? And we see that uh, Haman, the very noose that Haman had created, that God used it to turn around and Haman was the one hanging from it. I want to tell you that times of fasting will turn the enemy that has come against you to kill you and to destroy you and to annihilate you. But God can use it in such a way that that was been sent to destroy you, that will destroy it. Amen. In Joel 1, chapter four, oh, 1, verse 14, in a time of locusts and plagues, the people were called to fast. We have a plague of sin in our land. We have a plague of immorality in our land. Right? We, we've, been, we've been force-fed sin and immorality. So that we make it, they, so we are made to feel as though if you're against this, you're crazy, you're weird, you're strange. To make you feel that you're the minority. Huh? And this plague has come and the church needs to come to a place of fasting. Judges 20 and verse 26, a public fast was called for repentance for more and mourning. Because you see, the, that we need to repent over some things. 
If we don't seek God, if we don't see, uh, believe God for his presence, his presence will come first to us. The Bible said, where does judgment start? Yes, in the house of God. Judgment don't start in the world. Judgment starts in the house of God. It starts with me. It starts with you. And we must repent. We must seek God's face. We must mourn before him and ask him, God, purify my heart. Cleanse me. If there is any wicked thing within me, remove it from my life. First Samuel 7, when the ark, <coughs> excuse me, when the ark of the Lord was taken away, Samuel called for a fast from, to mourn and to repent. I may talk more about this Wednesday night, but there, there has to be a hunger in somebody's heart for the presence of God again. We have in America and some of the places of the world, we have learned how to do church without God. We have learned how to go through the motions. We have learned how to go through the process. We have learned that if God doesn't show up, it's okay. Amen. But somebody's got to understand, remember the time when the presence of the Lord did touch us. Somebody's got to rise up and remember that there was a day when there was a authentic anointing of the Holy Spirit that would be ushered in to our praise and to our worship. And men's hearts would begin to, to begin to burst within them that something had to change in their lives. <coughs> And we want everybody to be comfortable. Everybody shouldn't be comfortable in church. <clears throat> Amen. Everyone should be welcome. But everybody shouldn't be comfortable. Because you're coming in the presence of a sovereign holy God. And if you're sitting up in, a somebody, uh, in, a, in, in another man's house with his wife. You ought not come up in here worshiping a holy God, being comfortable. Huh? You oughtn't go out in the world and talk about your church and talk about your pastor and then come up in here, kumbaya, feeling all, you ought to have a conviction down inside of you. Amen? You can't live like the world be comfortable in the presence of God and everything be okay. I'm thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful when my thoughts are wrong. I'm convicted. I'm not comfortable. I begin to get squirmy. I, I begin to say I've got to change something. I'm thankful when, when my attitude isn't right. The Holy Spirit will still check me. The worst thing that God can do is let you have it your way. But because of his grace and his mercy and his love, the Holy Spirit will convict you and tell you, you're wrong. You need to change. It's quiet up in here. Amen. Samuel said, somebody's got to begin to mourn. We've, we've got to get the presence of God back. 
We, we've got to get the glory. Does anybody remember? Samuel would say, does anybody remember what it was like when we had the ark with us? Does anybody remember when the presence of God would go with us? Does anybody remember it was like a cloud by day and a fire by dust? Does anybody remember when we were hungry and he fed us? Does anybody remember there wasn't a sick one among us and our clothes never wore? Does anybody remember what it was like when we had his presence? And he brought them back to a place of remembrance and they began to mourn and they began to repent until the ark, the glory of God would return back to them again. I want to tell you today that there is a genuine sovereign move of the spirit of God. There is an anointing that comes that causes sinners to repent. You don't have to tell them you're sinning, you're going to hell. The presence and the love of God breaks that stony heart and they know they need to change their life. Amen. I've seen the hardest of hearts and the evilest of men that whenever they get in the presence of God are broken and begin to weep like a child and say, I need my life to change. That's what we need. We need the presence of God, not a condemning God, but a loving God that says you've got to change your life and get it turned around. Amen. Fasting in times of national crisis or defeat is a human response. People don't want to eat in times of of severe sickness or life-threatening situations. In 9-11, without a call, uh, you know, in 01, in 9-11 of 01, without a called, uh, prepared, planned meeting, when those towers hit, I just said, we didn't even have Facebook. Some folks just called and said, could we pray? And I said, yeah, the church will be open. And the church was packed. Nobody was worried about, uh, they haven't eaten dinner yet. Nobody was worried about kids got to get up tomorrow for school. Crisis had hit our nation. And what my generation thought was impossible that wars were taking place on the foreign field, suddenly we realized that we were no longer in that place, but now we've seen war had come to our own land. And nobody was hungry. Nobody was worried about the time. Nobody was worried about going here, going there. I'm sure somebody had a basketball game to go to. Someone had, had sport activity. Somebody had a shopping spree, but everything shut down. Because a crisis had been brought to our attention. But you see, it was only a manifestation of a crisis in which we was already taking place. But it was manifested in such a way that people wanted to cry out to God. It was stated for the first, for the first time in, in, for the following three months after 9-11 that it was the most attended church services in America since the Great Depression. But three months later, didn't take us long, three months later, we went back to living life just like we've been living life. We got used to the crisis. We got used to the complacency. We got used to living without God. 
But you see, in Bible times, they understood that if these crises have come to our nation, something is wrong. They understood that we need to humble ourselves and pray because they knew that the God they were serving did not send these plagues to them. Amen. They didn't, the God they were serving, it was not his good will or his pleasure for them to be overtaken in their land. They knew that they were God's people and they should not be losing battles. They were called by God. They were God's chosen. They were God's elect. And even though the plagues and the famine and the trouble came, it should not be affecting them because they were children of God. And because it was affecting them, it told them we've got to do something different. We've got to repent. We've got to seek God's face. We've got to realign ourselves so that we're going the direction that God is going so these plagues will not come near our dwelling. And they stopped what they were doing. And they fasted. They repented. They got themselves where they could hear God's voice for the direction of their life. And for their nation. And I've done talked about it some, but I'm just wondering, what's it going to take to get the American church, not the world, but the church, to understand this is not what God has intended for us. And somebody's got to hurl the clarion call. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Spare not. And tell my people of their transgressions and their ways. And if you'll do it, And my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, verse 14, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Yeah, it's true. There's some saints that's got sinners' problems. Then will I hear from heaven forgive their sins and bring healing to their land. We quote it a lot, but are we doing it? I believe somewhere we must stop our busyness. Clear our calendars. Take time for God. Because we've come far too busy. Have you ever seen anybody today that's not busy? Everybody I meet is the busiest person in the world. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And while it is a reality that we are living in a hustle and a bustle and a busy world, we must also, it is a reality that if we want the supernatural power of God to be revealed in our lives, then we've got to stop 
our busyness. We've got to humble ourselves before God. And we've got to take time for fasting and prayer so that we can align ourselves because the reality is America is in crisis and we need a supernatural church to be awakened in this time. Amen. I'm almost done. It was Napoleon that said of China, the great sleeping, the giant, great giant is sleeping. Let it alone, for if it is awakened, it will shake the world. China says they have three million people in their army. They have 4,000, excuse me, 4 million people in a reserved army. They said, you kill our first million and we'll send another million. They're a sleeping giant. They're taking over the world without firing a shot. And what I want to say to you today, my brothers and sisters, is there is a sleeping giant among us. And it is called the church of the living God. Do you realize that we, the only reason why that what's going on in America today is going on is because we have allowed it? If we would put away our pettiness of, of denominations and all of these things and barriers that we have allowed to bind us and we would just say, if you're for Jesus, I'm for Jesus, let's just worship Jesus, amen, and build his kingdom. Right? That's what Jesus said. You remember that? They come running to him, said, they're different than us. And he asked them, he said, are they for us? Said, yeah. He said, leave them alone. I wish there were some preachers that figure that out. If they're for us, it may be different than you're talking. It may, you may have different thoughts or different theories. But if they're for Jesus, if they're for the blood, if they're for the cross, if they believe in being saved, and amen, just leave the rest alone. And let's just build the kingdom. If we would do that, we are the greatest voting block in America. They would never be able to, to pass this ungodly mess if we'd just get it together. The world has seen all kinds of power. They've seen nuclear power. They've seen economic power. They've seen governmental power. They've seen black power and white power. But there is a sleeping giant among us that when it is awakened, that is called the church, there will be an awakening that will shake the world. Amen. It is none other than the kingdom of God. And whenever the kingdom of God arises from its slumber and from its sleep and we step into our rightful place of authority, I want 
want to tell you there will be awakening and there will be a shaking because when it is awakening, this world is going to run smack dab into a supernatural power of God. Amen. A power that's going to save the lost, power to heal the sick, power to deliver the oppressed and power to set the addicted free. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, every chain, every chain off of your life. Oh, somebody praise him here today. Amen. There's a power that has yet to be untapped and it is the supernatural power of God. It doesn't happen but but through fasting and through prayer. Amen. When we fast, when we pray, it unlocks the doors of the supernatural. And we begin to see things that other people don't see. We hear things other people have not heard. And our mind, it doesn't come from our mind, but it comes from our spirit. We understand what God is doing. We become as the sons of Iskar, which not only know the times of the seasons, but also know what we should do. Amen. And that's the reason that we're seeking his face. That's the reason we're taking these 21 days here at the first of the year to consecrate ourselves. If there's any flesh rises up, we deal with it. We let the Holy Spirit work in it. We align ourselves with him. And we say, let your Holy Spirit flow through us. And it's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be scared of. We aren't trying to manifest things. We're not trying to do nothing. We're just going after Jesus. Just love Jesus. Just love his presence. Hunger for more of him in your life. And allow him to be revealed however he wants to do that. Amen. There are different types of fasts throughout the Bible. I'm, I'm just about gone. I'm just about done different types of fast through the Bible. It's a Daniel fast. Daniel said, there's no meat. There's no dessert, no bread, no strong drink, just fruit, vegetables, and nuts. Some people say, well, that ain't, that ain't no fast. That ain't nothing. Yeah, you do it for a week. Well, that ain't much to give up. When was the last time you had an angel visit you? Huh? How do you know after that fast an angel responded? Right? There's... uh, the fast of just eating one meal a day, giving up the other day meals. There's an all-day fast where that they fasted from sunrise to sunset. And they didn't go and gorge themselves after that. They just ate enough. Because, you know, if you're working and doing all of that through the day, you can't just be out there and not have substance, Right? And so it's enough to sustain you. Then there's the total fast of only water. But the reason for the fast is to control your flesh. 
right? Control your flesh and spend more time with God. Now, you can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast without praying. I'm just going to pastor here about five minutes and we'll be done, okay? And so you can pray without fasting, but you can't fast without praying because that's what it's about. It's about you taking this flesh, getting it under control, and then you spending more time with God. And so what... Some folks may need to, you, your, your issue may not be, you know, you may be able to go and only eat one meal a day all the time. That may be your schedule. It may not be food for you. It may not, you know, that may not be it. Um, maybe you need to fast TV. I didn't even get amen. I think I heard somebody, mm, but I didn't even get an amen there. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we maybe need to give up that time of TV and say, I'm, I'm, on this time, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to seek you. Maybe it's social media. Huh? Instead of getting on Facebook, get in his face. Amen? That's what it's about. It's about getting in his presence. It's about saying, this is more important to me being in with you than it is being with others or seeing what's going on in the world. Maybe for some of the younger ones or maybe some of the adults, the Xbox. Mm, Lord. But whatever it is that gives you time to pray, to read, to get in the presence of God. This is what I want you to do. If you have never fasted before, if you've never been a part of a fast, just do something. Don't say, oh, I can't, I can't go without food for 21 days. I, I can't do that. For, just do something. Give up TV for a week. You know, we've done that before. Renee and I have done that before. We've said, oh, but you've got to set it before you start. It ain't going to work. You know, we, we said we're going to go without, you know, TV for this amount of time. We're going we're gonna to fast for this week. And, and we're going to, um, you know, something different that third week. We, we're gonna, this is going to be our fast. We're going to commit to this. This is what we're going to do. Because this is what I know. If you just say, well, uh, I won't watch TV some. And then you remember that the... Orange bowls coming on. Oh, I'll, I'll fast TV tomorrow. And then, you know, say, well, you know, I'll, I'll do, I won't be on social media for some of this time. And, and then, you know, then you find yourself on there and then you say, oh, I'll do that next week. And then the 21 days will roll by and you'll find nothing's changed and you haven't spent no time with God. And so... Take time to spend with him and whatever that is for you, just designate that today. Say, this is the way I'm going to spend my next three weeks. If it's a Daniel fast, if it's a partial fast, if it's just giving up one meal a day, if, you, if this is your first time, 
if, if it's just, you know, fasting for, uh, but take it that time and spend with God. That's the reason we put those little devotionals in your hand. It's not a whole lot, but it's something to help you. If you don't have anything already in place, it'll help you to set that precedence in your life for these first 21 days so that when it's over, you can have a study devotional time with God. Okay. It's not something that's super spiritual or nothing. It's just devotionals to give you time that you can spend with God and allow him to speak to your life. And this is the thing the Lord spoke to me about in, in Isaiah 58. And I don't know how many of you will, will uh, do this with me, but he, he, it, it, it uh, spoke to me in October when I read over it about giving um, bread to those who are hungry, to meeting the needs of others. He said, this is the fast I've chosen. He said, this is important. So this is what I'd, I just wonder how many would, would uh, go with me on this. And just, if you are fasting a meal a day, the monies that you would spend for that meal that day, just give it in an offering on Sunday. Put it in an envelope or mark it. And just mark it for outreach. And we'll take that money for the next 21 days. It comes in for that one meal a day. And we'll take it into our evangelism thrust. And we'll reach the harvest with it. We'll feed somebody spiritual food that is hungry, that's starving to death. This is what I know about starving people. They tell me, especially I've read a story in Haiti where that they sent during a time of famine in Haiti, they went there and they uh, took tons of food there to feed them. And they said that there were little children that were starving to death, but they would not eat. They didn't want to eat. But yet their bodies were so malnutritioned that they could die any time. The food was there for them but they wouldn't eat. We've got a whole lot of people starving to death spiritually and they're not hungry for the things of God. And we've got to force feed them. Not with our force, but by the Spirit. And so if we do that, we'll, we'll reach out and we'll help some folks and we'll minister to some people and, and we'll use that resources to be able to make an impact upon people's lives and just love on them, love them right into the kingdom. Amen. Love them right into the kingdom. And so while we're praying, we're going to have these next three Sunday nights. We're going to have times of prayer. And I know that, you know, the weatherman's done scared everybody to death, but how many know they're not accurate very often? But I've also looked and it shows that the weather will not start. It'll be raining some, but the snow and ice and all of that, if it even gets here, won't even get here till after, um, after uh, 12 o'clock. And I promise you that if we're here, still here at 12 o'clock, we have a sovereign move of God and you won't worry about the ice. You'll just soar on home. <laughs> all right. But we're going to come spend an hour just in his presence. Well, pastor, I can't pray an hour. I didn't say we was going to pray an hour. I said, come and let's spend time in his presence. We're just going to do whatever the Lord would have us do. We will spend time in prayer. We'll be seeking his face. But it'll be a time that I promise you that you'll never even think that it's, we've been here an hour. 
Because his presence, when you get in his presence, you love his presence. And he just ministered to you in a wonderful way. Amen. And so uh, we're going to pray for souls. We're going to pray for the tabernacle, leadership. We're going to pray for finances. We're going to pray for resources. And we're going to pray for unity. Amen. Nothing can be done outside of unity. Where there is unity, there is a commanded blessing. And nothing can stop that. Amen. Is that all right? Amen. Praise God.